G'day and welcome to the Beyond the Message podcast. Hey, it is great to have you here listening today. My name is Lockie. I'm the host of this experience. And really, my job is to help guide those 167 hours beyond Sunday or beyond the message so that you can grow in your faith all throughout the week. Today, Chris and I sit down and we tackle part three of a series called Reclaiming Irresistible. In our in-person environments, we had a guest speaker, John O'Gullo, give our message and Chris gave our message at Beyond at Home. And both those fellows in their messages said that it's the way that Jesus treated people who made mistakes that made him irresistible. We talk about stop labeling others because that actually closes doors to relationship. So today on the podcast, we break down the message and give really practical application points. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Alrighty, Chris. Well, what a weekend. That is all I can say to start this podcast. What a weekend. Mate, it was a absolute blast. Shout out to all the volunteers that helped put on that awesome community breakfast. You guys are legends. Shout out Black Box Coffee who came and was serving coffee. Yeah. Shout out all the Upstreet crew. Biggest ever Upstreet attendance. Yep. Upstreet, our kids environment. Absolutely killing it. They were, they were awesome. Real. And just so much fun with John O'Gulo in the building. If you're online, I'm sorry you got stuck with me. <laughs> um, but Jono was there in person, which was a great time. And just, oh man, this is a great weekend in general. It was a big weekend um, at Beyond. And all I can say is, um, you know, we had Jono guest speaking in our in-person environment and we worked him hard. He was, he was there doing stuff for most of the day. I think that was awesome. So uh, we also had, you know, a connect group huddle where we get all like connect group leaders and Jono speaking there as well. So I'm, I'm sure he's, he might be shattered today, but you said he's an extrovert, Chris. So he might actually just be floating today. Oh man, he was loving it. He was loving it. I think we hung around until about nine o'clock last night hanging out, so. Yeah, fire out. What a what a day. So that's awesome. It was a, it was a good weekend and, and a great weekend of, of content as well. And again, whether you're in person or online, um, a lot happening, you know, behind the scene or around the community of beyond, but also just an incredible message as we're in part three of Reclaiming Irresistible. Um, and I really love how, how, you know, both online and in person, um, we're talking about, you know, labeling, closing doors and how when we label people, we close doors, but when we actually love people, it, it opens doors. And um, Chris, I'm not sure exactly, you know, where you ended up with on our online platform, but that's what the the point that Jono was really hammering home. And it was just, it was just awesome. Yeah, no. And I think, um, I think the whole community brekkie and coffee and all that kind of tied into this idea of like pretty much what we've been talking about throughout this series is like reclaiming irresistible is when you put food, when you put coffee, when you put an environment where people just want to hang out, that's really what the local church should be known for, you know? They're like, hey, these, these people are great for our community. We want to go and get a free brekkie. Even if we never walk through the doors, we just want to have a great reputation. And so, yeah, yeah it was good to continue that. No, that's awesome. And I think that flows really well into our conversation today as we unpack the third part of this series. And, you know, I guess the whole, and again, the whole weekend showed us that we, we really want to make the church and faith accessible for everyone. Mm. We want to do everything in our power to make sure that someone can come into a church building or not even into the building and feel loved by church people. Um, but let's flip back in history a little bit. We're back in Jesus' time just to get a bit of context for this conversation. Um, Chris, was was the church like that or was faith like that in the first century? And, you know, the whole religious culture of, of this time, um, how did Jesus interact with, with what was going on, you know, in the church or what was, you know, pre the church? And, and how did Jesus, you know, kind of flip this all on its head when he was in person on this earth? 
Yeah, well, I'd say that like if we're because t- we're talking about first century Judaism, so you know the church didn't the local church as we know it didn't start until after Jesus's resurrection. So when Jesus walked the earth, the Jewish temple was still um, around. It was a center of cultural life, family life, um, kind of the center of the community as a whole. And faith was it was very challenging to access, and there were certain levels of access. For example. You know, you might be listening to this in your car or at a run or on the gym. It's it's super easy to access a podcast these days. You can hear people talking about faith, people talking about all sorts of things, but faith itself, that's a really easy thing to access. You can go on our YouTube channel. You can watch hours and hours of content, super easy to access. But in the first century, um, the, the Jewish priests had kind of created this system or this kind of like religious hierarchy to the point that even if you looked at the temple, there were certain areas in the temple where people were allowed to go. There was an area for people who weren't Jewish. They could only be in this area. If you're a woman, you could only be in a certain area. If you're a man and you know, you had a certain level of training, you go to another level. If you're a priest, you got to go into certain areas. And then if you were like the highest echelon of, of the priest, you got to go to another. Area. So it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't accessible. Parts of it were accessible, but then for depending on what category or label of person you fell into, if you're a leper, don't even think about going in the community, let alone becoming accessible um, to church. And Jesus kind of turns this upside down. Like last night uh, or on the weekend, we looked at like Luke 7, the story of the sinful woman um, in 36 to 50, uh, Luke, Luke 7, 36 to 50. But earlier in Luke 7 as well, um, there's kind of these two great stories that kind of book in the chapter. The first part of that chapter is the story of a Roman, like a Roman centurion coming to Jesus. And, um, and again, this is someone that the Jews would have hated because the Jews were under occupation by the Romans. It's someone who like, we actually don't even know if this person was a Jesus follower. We just kind of found, find out that this, this person can get a favor out of Jesus to help him out with a sick child. And then Jesus makes this ridiculous comment. He's like, I've never seen faith like this before. Your faith is so big. And so it's kind of like, oh, hang on a minute. Like, we don't even know if this person's a Jesus follower and Jesus is talking about how their faith is so big. And so Jesus flipped this whole thing on his head and he's like, Hey, regardless of whether you're Roman, regardless of whether you've been labeled sinful, regardless of whether you are a religious person, it's accessible for you. Um, and yeah, Jesus just constantly kept flipping those models on its head. Yeah, definitely. I mean, as far as society goes, I'm not sure we've moved any further in terms of labeling people. Um, like, you know, like, I mean, think about being the woman for a moment and, you know, you know that someone's writing a story about you and the, your character title is the sinful woman. Um, you wouldn't yep. be too stoked about that one. But really, like, we, we don't, we don't, we haven't progressed too far. We, we kind of like to categorize and label people in general. It happens all the time in the media and the news and just in, you know, social situations. Um, but what are some of these categories or labels that we can, get caught up in when we're trying to, you know, box people in into today. And I guess what effect does that have, particularly when we're talking about things like faith in the church? I, I think like it always depends on what's going on in the world at that time, depending on what labels are, are really prevalent. So, I mean, for example, at the moment where we are in Queensland at this point in history, across Australia, we're doing the vaccine rollout. So there's yep. a big thing in like, are, are, you, are you an anti-vaxxer? And mm. so there's a label associated as soon as, oh, People are trying to figure out, are you an anti-vaxxer? Are you for the vaccine? Where, where do you sit? Yep. Um, you know, there's a lot of, if you're from America, I know at the moment, it's kind of like, are you left or you're right? Are you Trump or you're Biden? Yeah. Um, where do you sit on that? On, on that? Um, there's like, you know, 
of for the LGBTQI plus, I think, community. Please forgive me if I if I got that wrong. That's kind of like, hey, if you're a Christian, where do you sit on that? Are you for yeah. it or are you against it? It's like, what do you think of me? Like, yeah. and so there's all these different dynamics. And typically what we do as people is we we want to ask some typically we ask a question and the question might be framed like, are you an anti-vaxxer or, or a pro-vaxxer? We don't ask them what their positions are because we already think in our mind, I already know. If you pick one of these, I know exactly what you are. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, are you one of are you one of those Christians? You know, are you one of the Christians that don't like gay people? We've already made that. We, this person already has a decision, or have, has a label in their mind or a category. Mm. And the Christians are the same, are the same too. And and what happens when we do that is we actually we don't get to know people. We just sit in our little echo chamber and we tell ourselves narratives that maybe do or don't exist. And it always keeps us at arm's length from anyone, regardless of whether you're a Christian or not. Labeling people keeps you at arm's length from everyone. Yeah. I guess, um, you know, we want to get really practical. And I guess as followers of Jesus, we don't want to get caught in the trap of, of labeling people. And I guess when you when you label someone, you, yeah, you, as you said, Chris, you already make up their story for them and you close those doors um, to connection and a potential relationship. And, you know, if we're talking about, being a Christian, we can close the door to inviting someone into a deeper relationship with Jesus. Um, Chris, how can we actually avoid getting caught up in that trap of categorizing or labeling people? Because it's clearly clearly got a massive impact um, in this world. It's kind of one of those ones. The best the best analogy I think is you know you know when you got a friend, or there's someone that you like friend befriend at, at school or in the workplace or at uni, and everyone else in your social circle has an opinion about them. And then they find out that you've been kind of hanging out with them. And then your, your way of responding is, oh, no, nah, they're not that bad. <laughs> you know? Yeah, classic. Yeah, we is, know that one. Is I think that that's, that's got to be our default to all people. The, the, regardless of the label, it should be, no, they're not that bad. They're not that bad. And then we're kind of like, because I think too often we, we start with the label and then we work backwards. Whereas we should start with the person and work mm. our way forward off of that. And Jesus has this, this great idea in, in, um, in John's gospel. It says that, you know, Jesus came in grace and truth. And it doesn't say that he came in like 50% grace and 50% truth. He came 100% truth and 100% grace. So Jesus was 100% truthful in that interaction in Luke 7. He, he says, hey, this, this woman is, is sinful and she has sins and they're plentiful, but her faith has saved her. And so Jesus never really pulled any punches. He was very, you know, Jesus had such a strict moral code and such a strict moral compass, far greater than the Pharisees, but people still wanted to be around him because although he was very clear on what he believed, he was also incredibly, incredibly gracious hmm. to people. And so I think that that is that striking balance of you can be incredibly clear on what you believe as a Jesus follower, but also be incredibly gracious, which is the way in which you present what you believe in the way you have relationships with people. And, and the, the way I've, at least in my experience, if I have a relationship with someone and they ask me about a particular belief I have, often they're a lot more generous with allowing me time to explain a particular position yeah. than if I am in front of a crowd of people just saying, here's what I believe without a relationship. Yeah, definitely. We've talked about this on the podcast. We've probably talked about it in most series, to be honest. And the, the idea that if Jesus did something, um, it's not just to do it. It's an invitation for us to follow him. 
And it's really strikingly obvious that we've missed this. Like when you're talking about how Jesus just interacts with people um, just so clearly how he loves people so much, but then that doesn't, you know, like it doesn't, he doesn't look at the label. He doesn't look at, you know, the sinner and go, no, I don't have any time for you. And I just, I just think we've, we've made a massive mistake somewhere along the line where we've kind of stopped looking at that example of Jesus and how we treat people. And I, I'm really keen to see a generation of people who, who do embrace that. And obviously people have done that, but yeah, it seems like Christians are known for the opposite of that, which is uh, really upsetting. And I think as well, like, and this is the whole challenge, I think culturally with this idea of labeling people, you know, you put a position on a particular label and all of a sudden everyone who has that label might go, well, hang on a minute, I'm not like that. Or I, I don't believe that. And you've kind of lumped me in with that. And so I think, you know, we should be the people to push back against that culturally and say, we're not going to do that anymore. Like I want to know the person first. Yeah. No, that, that's, that's really awesome. And I think, um, you know, yourself and Jono, so who we had on the weekend, like both of you are, are really, I guess, pioneering in that space of creating places not just being people but creating places and churches that care for for people um, who wouldn't typically follow jesus and i was just wondering um you know like why have you why have you decided to do this because it's not an easy undertaking to kind of create a church in any in any um setting but then to go one step further and to say hey we, we want to really engage with people who wouldn't typically label themselves as you know jesus followers or wouldn't even even associate with people who are following Jesus. Um, I want to just get a little bit behind the curtain in the sense of why why are you doing this and why are you trying so hard to create a place that that cares so much about this stuff? Okay. So I'm going to give you my my personal thought reason and then my theological reason because I think both play into it. You can't really separate them. Um, personally, because I grew up, I grew up in a great church, but it was a church that I didn't feel like I could invite my friends to. Or if, if I was going to invite them, I would have to preload them and I would have to explain a whole bunch of things to them. And for me, like even, even to this day, like um, it's not a secret, like most of my closest friends are not Jesus followers. And so for me, that's always something I've been hyper, hyper aware of. Um, how do I do that? And, and I think as well, like going through school and playing, um, playing sport, particularly in high level sport, the more and more you play, like you're not in locker rooms with people typically who are Jesus followers. Like if there was a Jesus follower, it was kind of an anomaly. And for me, when I read the gospels and when I read Jesus, I mean, Jesus wanted to hang around with, Jesus was with people like this. And people like this shouldn't feel weird or uncomfortable or shouldn't hate the church. Like they should be kind of cool with Jesus. Um, and I just remember conversation after conversation with people. I was like, man, these people need Jesus and these people need some of the things that he has to offer, but they would never walk into a church building. Um, so that's, it's really personal on that for me because my closest friends aren't and, uh, and people that I know aren't, but then on a theological level uh, for me, and we say this all the time, we've been saying this throughout this series is when you read the gospels, people who were nothing like Jesus, like Jesus, and he liked them back. And if you read perhaps the most famous parable in the um, in the New Testament, the parable of the prodigal son, heaven rejoices over someone who got saved, mm. not over someone who memorized a whole bunch of Bible verses or someone who, you know, joined a connect group or someone who, you know, better understood the doctrine of salvation. All those things are great. I'm not saying they're not great. I'm not saying you shouldn't continue to grow in your relationship with Jesus, but heaven doesn't have parties 
for for everything heaven is very specific <laughs> about what it has parties for and so i think that if, if that's the mission that jesus came to introduce into the world then then that's the mission that we have to follow and i was having a conversation last week with a with a friend and um and he kind of shared uh this idea that when we talk about like the fact that god god loves us um and he has this great love for us often we kind of typically think that <clears throat> Oh, well, God loves me uh, because I'm a Jesus follower. And the reality is, no, he doesn't love you because you're a Jesus follower. God loves you because he loves the entire world. In fact, God loved you before you started following him. God mm-hmm. loves people who don't follow him because he gave his life on the cross for them. And when we start to think like that and start to be like, oh, hang on a minute. Like when, when I, in my personal life, go to spend time with Jesus, Jesus has been waiting up all night for me. Mm. that's the idea like the, the picture it was like jesus has been waiting up all me all night for me because he can't wait to spend time with me and imagine how he feels about people who don't know him he's just waiting for them he's like i just want to i just want to talk to you i just want to know you i just want to have a relationship with you mm. and so for me i just think if if we go down in history and people look at beyond church and they go you know what that that was just the church that got a whole bunch of people into heaven i'll cop that <laughs> I will cop that every single day of the week. Yeah. You know, um, cause I think that's what, that's what Jesus seemed to be about. The kingdom of heaven is for everyone. Yeah. That's incredible. What I, um, yeah. Like, thank you for sharing your personal reason as well. I think that that makes a lot of sense and, um, yeah, it's good to have that, that sense of vision and passion. Cause otherwise, you know, in this, in this line of work, it, it, it fades very quickly. You got to have that deep conviction. So we're very thankful for people like yourself, Chris, people like Jono who are going above and beyond, I would say, to, to make sure that we're, we're dragging people into heaven, um, which, is, which is just incredible. So I, I just say that's um, following in the footsteps of Jesus, which um, hopefully we saw, you know, in every bit of scripture we looked at on the weekend. Um, but that actually wraps up our, our time together today, Chris. Thank you so much for yeah, jumping excited. on the podcast and, and doing three in a row here for this series. And we look forward to having... Big Riley Brown back next week to wrap up with part four. Man, I love being on it. And I can't wait for Riz to come back on for part four and wrap this up. And then we've only got one week in between until Be Rich. Be Rich. Oh, guys, if you've not seen Be Rich yet, if you're new to Beyond, if you're new to our content, just you wait for Be Rich. It is the best time of year. So that is... One more week away, did you say? Or did you, it's next week? No, is it there's, there's one week? There's a there's a there's a one-off message in between reclaiming irresistible and be rich. Incredible. Well, I can't wait for both of those. So that that is something to look forward to. Yeah, too good. Thank you so much, Chris, and we'll, we'll see you soon. See ya.